Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in his series on the pastoral epistles of St. Paul with this message, The Mighty Word of God, preached June 25, 2016. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 14. There is nothing more precious in the world than the Word of God. The Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testaments are stated in the first chapter of the Westminster Confession of Faith of the 17th century. We read in Psalm 19, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. And we read in Psalm 119, because I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold, and because I consider all your precepts right, I hate every wrong path. Put it positively, I take every right path. The Word of God is the most precious thing in the whole world. And not only that, the Word of God is powerful, mighty. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. That is the power of the Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.15, you memorized. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are mighty, my translation, which are mighty to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And Paul says in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm proud of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. So I want to speak seven things. First, Timothy, you must abide in God's Word. Dwell, live in, obey the Word of God. God's Word is for us to obey and be blessed. False ministers energized by demons will go from bad to worse, deceiving the members of their church and being deceived. They never preach the truth of God's Word they are deceived by the devil. And so they go about deceiving people by their lies. But you, Timothy, be totally different from these deceivers and agents of the devil. You be governed all of life in the things you learned. The Old Testament scriptures and also the gospel. First Timothy 1 verse 19, holding on to faith and a good conscience, some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. It is still true. Shipwrecked, sir. They are finished, they are done. Or second. Timothy 2 verse 15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly interprets the word of truth. Let God be true and all men liars. In 2 John verse 9, anyone who runs ahead and does not abide, continue, live, obey in the teaching of Christ, 
does not have God. But whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. And 1 John 2.24, see that what you have heard from the beginning dwells in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. Timothy, abide in the Word of God. Colossians 3.16 says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. As you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Timothy, believe the word of God. Live the word of God. Preach the word of God. And always be governed by the word. God is truth. And so his word is truth. Not only you learn the scriptures the Old Testament and apostolic doctrine, you are also convinced, convinced of the truth of God's word by the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. We not only read the word, we are convinced that it is the very word of God as the Holy Spirit works in our heart. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit baptizes us. Holy Spirit dwells in us. Holy Spirit comes upon us. Holy Spirit regenerates us. Holy Spirit enlightens us as we read the Bible. The application of salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit. And you have a Pentecostal man as your pastor. And I believe, I pray that all of you become Pentecostals, governed by the Spirit of God. You are also convinced of the truth of God's Word by the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. To me, Holy Spirit is not just a theory or a doctrine, infinite personal God lives in me and guides me and in you and guides you. Also, Timothy, keep in mind from whom you learned the Holy Scriptures. Consider their character and godliness and moral authority. You can read my book on the book of Hebrews Chapter 13, verse 7, the writer tells us, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So, Timothy, keep in mind from whom you learned the Holy Scriptures. Your grandmother, Lois, your mother Eunice, and others especially, Paul says, myself, whom Christ himself appointed as a herald and an apostle and a teacher, through whose ministry you became, Timothy, you became a son in the faith. Timothy followed closely his teachers who taught him the whole truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, What you heard from me, keep us this pattern, standard of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it. Guard the gospel with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. And 2 Timothy chapter 2, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. 
2 Timothy 3.10, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. Timothy followed very closely his mentor, the Apostle Paul. So, Timothy, you continue to abide and delight and be governed by the Holy Scriptures and the whole Scriptures. Not to be ashamed of it. Why should I be ashamed of it? You are ashamed of it if you are valuing world's view of things, secularism. I don't believe in secularism. I don't believe in worldliness. The whole world lieth under the control of the evil one. Paul says, I'm not ashamed. I'm proud of it. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. There is no other way of salvation from the wrath of God. And Timothy, be ready to suffer for the gospel. Timothy, proclaim it. Timothy, guard it. Timothy, study it. Timothy, interpret it correctly. Timothy, entrust it to others. Timothy, teach it. For it is the word of God, the word of truth, the gospel, the health-giving teaching that makes people wise unto salvation. Fools, godless ones, go out of the church to sin. Timothy, abide in it, obey it, persevere in it. 1 Timothy 4.16, watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them. Obey it, sir. John 15.7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, that means obey, obey. A lot of people hate it because you closed your eyes to the light and lived in sin. Abide in it, sir. Persevere in it. Obey it. Blessings come to those who abide in God's word. Obey and be blessed. Or you can be worldly. You can be feminist. You can be a fornicator. You can go and commit adultery. Or you can be demon-possessed. I believe in all these things. I believe demons control Every unbeliever. You read two long chapters, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy 28. Blessing for obedience and curse for disobedience. Now point number two, the word is mighty word. Mighty to save, mighty to heal. He sent out the word to heal them. Mighty word. And you, Timothy, have learned it. The Holy Scriptures from infancy. That is from five years of age or even earlier. You learned the Holy Scriptures. Scriptures are holy because they are words of God who is holy. Here, Holy Scriptures refer to the Old Testament which spoke of the coming of the Messiah, his perfect obedience of the law, his death on the cross as our substitute, the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world, as our atonement. And it spoke of his resurrection. So look, 24, 44 through 47, Jesus said, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written 
Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Romans 3.21 But now the righteousness from God apart from law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. Or Acts 17, 2 and 3, Paul says, as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus, I am proclaimed to you, is Christ. Oh, look at what Jesus said to the sinful Samaritan woman. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you, I'm he, I'm the Messiah. And she believed and was saved. The Holy Scriptures today includes Old Testament as well as New Testament. They are mighty to make one wise unto salvation from sin, guilt, death, devil, and from the wrath of God. Holy Scriptures point to the Messiah, Jesus, who destroyed death and brought life and immortality to all who believe in him. Upon him God poured out his wrath against us sinners so that he can be just in justifying sinners who trust and obey Jesus. Friends, who is Jesus? He is the eternal I am. He is the bread of life. He is the King of Israel. He is the Son of God. He alone is the Savior of the world. He is the light of the world. He is the gate for his sheep. He is the good shepherd. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way. He alone is the truth. No one comes to the Father except through him. He is the true vine. Apart from Jesus, no one can do anything to please a holy triune God. He is the creator and sustainer of all his creation. Moment by moment. He is the word. He is God. The word became flesh. This Christ died for our sins and was raised for our justification. He is the judge of the living and the dead. He is coming again, sir. The scripture, in other words, point to Jesus. The Holy Scripture makes his people wise unto salvation. Psalm 19, verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the wicked, the fool. Friends, the world is full of fools. Rich fool, educated fool, political fool, religious fool, scientific fool, full of fools. The vast majority of the people of the world are fools, meaning godless, wicked, God-haters. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 20, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world. Friends, Jesus and Jesus alone make us wise unto salvation through the miracle of regeneration, through the Holy Scripture.
So James, the Lord's brother, says in chapter 1, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And St. Peter says in 1 Peter 1, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and the enduring word of God. And Jesus said, John chapter 3, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water, that is the word, and the spirit. Jesus saves us, friends, through faith in Christ Jesus. By faith, we receive the gift of salvation. Christ Jesus is the basis of salvation. He is the efficient cause the gift of saving faith is the instrumental means. By saving faith, we trust in Jesus and obey Jesus all of life. Friends, let me tell you, a faith devoid of obedience, I am speaking about mental assent, is not saving faith, but the faith of demons. James 2.19 Scripture being God's word is our life and our ultimate authority. He who trusts in Jesus alone for his salvation trusts in the Holy Scriptures. Listen to Moses, Deuteronomy 32. When Moses finished reciting all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day so that you may command your children. Command your children, sir. Did you command your children or did you worship them? Or did you beg and plead with them? Command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just empty, idle words for you. They are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Friends, have you trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal salvation? Are you truly wise? And we read in John 20, But these are written, the scripture, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life. In his name. And number three, the source of scripture. Second Timothy 3 and verse 16. All scripture is God breathe. Theopneustos. The scripture is Theopneustos. Its source is God. It is from God. It is the product of God's creative breath. It is the very word of God in the scripture. God himself is speaking to us. Therefore, scripture is God's word. And number four, the nature of scripture. First is inerrancy. No error in the Bible. Second, clarity, perspicuity. The word of God is clear to all people, but only to the elect it results in salvation. The unbeliever understands it, but he suppresses the truth because he is an enemy of God. Number three, necessity of Scripture. Without scripture, we cannot be saved. Sufficiency of scripture. You don't need to add or subtract from it. The power of scripture. The comprehensiveness of scripture. And the authority of scripture. And number five. All scripture. Passa graphe. Old and New Testament. Are God breathed. It is the very word of God. 
And so you read in Second Peter chapter 1, 20 and 21, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were completely controlled by the Spirit. So what they wrote in its totality was the very word of God, true in the Old Testament and true in the New Testament. St. Peter therefore says in chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, 15 through 16, Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also what, sir, wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. In other words, what Paul wrote was the very word of God. Paul writes the same way in all his letters. Speaking in them of these matters, his letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do what, sir? Other scriptures to their own destruction. There it is, the writing of Paul is scripture. Or let me read to you 1 Corinthians 14, 37 and 38. Speaking about 1 Corinthians, written to Corinth, if anybody thinks he is a prophet or spiritually gifted, let him acknowledge that what I am writing to you is the Lord's command. He was not writing his opinion. He was conscious that he was inspired to write 1 Corinthians. Titus 1.14 and pay no attention to Jewish myths or commandments of men who reject the truth. What Paul wrote was what, sir? Commandments of God. First Timothy 5.18, listen to this. For the scripture says, and then two quotations, one from Moses, Deuteronomy 25.4, Do not muscle the ox while it is treading out the grain. And the other, a word spoken by Jesus himself, Luke 10 and verse 7. The worker deserves his wages. Notice the word of Jesus is scripture, as well as the word of Moses. So Passa Graphe, the whole scripture means Old Testament and what's the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 2.13, we read this is what we speak. Notice his understanding and self-consciousness that he is being inspired by the Spirit to write. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. He knew what he was writing is the scripture. 2 Thessalonians 2.15 So then, brothers, stand firm, hold to the teachings we passed on to you. The scripture. Whether by word or by letter. Colossians 4.16 After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Paul is self-conscious, understands that he is writing letters, commandments of God to be read. And so 1 Timothy 4.13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching, which includes Paul's writing. And number six, the word is profitable, valuable. Not to fools, not to professors who reject the Bible. Not to fools, but to the people of God. It is profitable, it is valuable, more than fine gold. And so we read 1 Timothy 4, 8. 
for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding the same word of Helimos, profitable, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. A lot of fools only have hope in this life. They are without hope and without God in this world. Their hope is golden years so that they can get on the cruise. They are hopeless people. They know every day they are going to die. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Otherwise you are a fool. So the word of God is profitable, sir. Very profitable. First Timothy 4, 6. If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, brought up in the truths of the faith and of the good teaching you have followed. Profitable, sir. First, profitable for teaching. Profitable first for teaching. Our primary task, parents, fathers, mothers, pastors, fellow believers, the most important task facing us is this, teaching the scripture, preaching the scripture. Because without it, you cannot be saved. How can I call upon the name of the Lord unless I believe? How can I believe unless I hear? How can I hear unless somebody preaches the word? How can somebody preach unless somebody is sent? God doesn't send angels, elect angels. He sends human beings. And you better respect that person and honor that person. Father, mother, pastors, and every believer. They bring to you the word of God, which is valuable for teaching. 1 Timothy 4.16, watch your life and doctrine, closely persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. 1 Timothy 6.3 and 4, if anyone teaches false doctrines and does not agree to the sound doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited. He understands nothing. Second Timothy 2 verse 2, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will also be qualified what, sir, to teach others. The man of God has the word of God for the people of God. I said teaching is of first importance. Acts chapter 2 verse 42, they devoted themselves first to the apostles' teaching. You see, God is not interested in fools, emotional people, subjectivistic people, mystical people, the primacy of the intellect. He wants you to understand the gospel that you may trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal salvation. That's why it is important to preach and teach. Romans 15 verse 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And everything crumbles. We, the people of God, have hope. And not only teaching, what else? Pros elegmon for rebuking. Well, you appreciate those who rebuke you. Over 50%, over 50% of pastors' ministry is to rebuke and correct negative. Why do I rebuke? Based on love. We expose the errors of false teachers and false teaching. Scripture is the norm. Any deviation from that in doctrine or ethics, we should rebuke. Psalm 39, verse 11, you rebuke and discipline men for their sin. 1 Timothy 5, 20, those who sin are to be rebuked publicly so that 
the others may take a warning. 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke. That you appreciate the person who rebukes you. He alone cares for you, nobody else. And a father or a mother who lets you sin, they are wicked. They are wicked, they must give an answer on the last day. Because you did not teach, you did not rebuke, you did not correct, you did not train in righteousness. If you don't conform to scripture, you need to be corrected, rebuked. It tells us, how do you live your family life? What's the duty of children, husbands, fathers? It is all stated in Scripture, Ephesians 5.18 through 6.4. And you, husband, you are to provide for your family. First Timothy 5.8, the Lord's day, you are to come and worship God. And number three, for correction. Setting things right. Pros epanorthosin. That's a positive side of rebuking. Part of the word appears in orthodontia. To make it straight. To correct it. Positive side of rebuking. Is straightening out. By doctrine. In doctrine and conduct. You did not submit to your husband. I want you to submit to your husband. And you submit to your husband again and again until it becomes habit. Professor J. Adams taught us, you do the right thing six weeks, it becomes habit. And once it is habit, you don't have to work at it. You will do it naturally. Titus 1.5, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out the same idea, same word. What was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. When there is no leader, it is in chaos. It's in confusion. And the family is to be governed by the head, the father. And the church by the elders. And the state by the agents appointed for it. And a Christian home is not disorder. It's order. It's the kingdom of God. It is the rule of God, sir. He who stole, let him steal no longer. And Luke says in 3.5, Luke's gospel, every valley shall be filled in every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight. Everything crooked becomes straight through the application of the gospel. Jesus, after his resurrection, met with Peter and straightened him out. Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Do you love me? And do you love me? Treat my sheep. And he was straightened out. Thank God that God helps us to be straightened out through the agency of God's people. Even a brother, a sister in the church has the authority to speak to you and straighten you out. Competent to counsel. And you look at Jesus correcting churches in Revelation 2 and 3. His eyes are like flaming fire. He sees everything. And he says, you straighten that out or I will come and remove the lampstand. And it was removed. You go to Turkey, it was full of churches, and you don't find any churches. Not just rebuke, but there is correction. There is teaching, rebuking, correcting, and finally, number four, pros by day and for training in what, sir? In immorality, in righteousness. Training in the way of righteousness. Children obey parents. We trained our children to ride bicycle. It is not easy. They fall down and fall down. You get back. No, no, come on, get back. And pretty soon, they know how to do it. You do it again and again and again. 
and you know how to submit and obey your father and your mother. So do righteousness again and again. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Discipline has three aspects to it. First, an authority. That's why if you don't respect your father, you're finished. Your mother, you're finished. Your pastor, you're finished. Judas, the devil prompted him, and then the devil entered him, and he went out. It was night. He went and killed himself. And you go because you want to sin. And you're going to go far away from here so that you can sin. That's what the prodigal son did. He went far away. And the second, that person must be able to teach the word of God. This is what the word of God says, and I'm here to enforce it. That's the third element. Enforce it by the ministry of the rod. And God uses the ministry of the rod. It says, for this reason, many of you are what? Weak and sick and die. Even when the church is asleep and refused to meet out discipline, God does. And you read Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. He applies pressure and pressure and pressure. You read, you will eat your own children. Then you read it, you cannot stomach it. But it happened literally in the history of Israel. Training in doing what is right in the sight of God, what is stated in the scripture. Not in psychology, not in anything else, not what the teacher said, it is okay. Training in righteousness doing what is right in God's sight. Do righteousness by doing what is right in the sight of God that is revealed in the word of God. Now let me read to you the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Let me read to you. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, meaning teaching, enforced teaching. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Let me tell you, if you didn't discipline your children, you worshipped your children, you refused to tell them the way of salvation. You hated them. You literally hated them. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons for what son is not disciplined by his father. Even in the natural world, father disciplines children. You don't have to become a Christian to understand that. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had our human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness, his purpose is to make us like Jesus Christ. So what is the goal of God? Our good, our holiness, our righteousness. So we read Deuteronomy 6.18, do what is right and good in the Lord's sight. Where do you find that, sir? In the book. So do what is right in the sight of God. And if you are careful to obey all this law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be what, sir? Our righteousness, experiential righteousness. Do you have righteousness? I'm not speaking about the gift of righteousness. We are always saved on the basis of it. But proof that God has saved us is 
our obedience. If you don't obey God, you are not saved. Hebrews 12 verse 11, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a little bit, a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Training in righteousness. And you see somebody is righteous, obedient. And finally, the purpose final purpose verse 17 in order that the man of God every good work final purpose verse 17 the man of God is the pastor the parents every believer especially the pastors the man of God first Timothy 6 11 speaks about the man of God that the man of God be competent Many ministers are incompetent. They are not pious or learned. They are not called or sent by Christ. True ministers are Christ's gifts to the church. They are called and sent by Christ to preach the word. Without it, nobody can be saved. To preach and teach the Holy Scriptures. Interpreting it correctly. He interprets the word correctly. And preaches Christ boldly. With compassion that sinners may repent. And trust in Christ to be saved. True ministers are filled with the spirit. And the sacred scripture. That the man of God be competent. And fully qualified. To do every aspect of the ministry. The word of God when believed wholeheartedly. Makes God's ministers and all believers fully capable. Always to do what God commands us to do. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Unto good works which God has foreordained. That we should walk in them. And every born of God person will walk in them. Preaching, friends, preaching kills and preaching makes a lie. Second Corinthians 2, 16 to the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, the fragrance of life. And Paul asked this question, who is competent to such a task? And he answers it, God makes us competent to such a task. He he not only sends us, he makes us competent. Who is competent to such a task? God makes us competent. Second Corinthians 3, 5 and 6. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Second Corinthians 9, 8, we are talking about competence, sir. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Competent! Second Corinthians 12, 9, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Here are the last words of St. Paul, whom God made competent. To preach the word until he was killed. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time has now for my departure. My death. I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Filled with the Spirit and Scripture, we will do the will of God to God's glory and to our everlasting joy. We are more than conquerors in all things through our union with Christ, who is the vine, and we are the branches producing much fruit for the glory of God the Father. Apart from him, we can do nothing. In vital union with him, we can do all things. For Jesus Christ is our life, our power, our wisdom, our righteousness, our holiness, and our glory in Christ. We lack nothing. Praise be to God. We are made competent to do every good work, including suffering martyrdom for the gospel. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to apply the word we heard. Lord, your Holy Spirit is able to do it, not only to bring things to our remembrance, but also he gives us power to do your command. Oh Lord, obedience to God brings glory to God and joy and happiness to us. There is no other way to be happy. We are happy in Jesus. Trust and obey. There is no other way to be happy in Jesus. Therefore, humble us, O Lord. Enable us to see our spiritual need. Help us to pay heed to your word, your command. And fill with the Spirit. Help us to obey. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace Valley Christian Center is committed to the unchanging truth of the Holy Scriptures. We have been proclaiming the whole counsel of God since 1974 through our weekly worship services, our website resources, and our publishing ministry. For more information about our church, to find more edifying sermons, or to order books by the Rev. P.G. Matthew, please visit our website at gracevalley.org.